It's time for the What in the Podcast. The term ghost town refers to abandoned places no longer occupied by human habitation. But are they really abandoned? Do the spirits of the people who once lived there still occupy the town? Tonight we'll find out about four towns that are allegedly some of the most haunted ghost towns ever. In America? In America, yeah. So sit back, relax, and enjoy episode 112 of What in a Podcast. Welcome to the What in a Podcast with your hosts, Kent Whittington and Adriana Camito and Tracy Lynn Hernandez. Hello and welcome to the What in the Podcast. Hello, hello, hello. Hi. I, as usual, am your host, Kent Whittington, along with my co-hostesses. Say your names. Tracy Lynn Hernandez. And? Adri. All right. <laughs> now that we've got that out of the way, how is everybody doing tonight? It's been a week. Yes, that's all I'll say. <laughs> it was an awesome week at my house, but it's been a week. I want to make a shout out to his middle brother. Happy birthday, right Mike. Now? Okay. Yes, happy birthday, Mike. Uh, happy sorry birthday, I missed it. Bro. I wasn't like trying to miss it. I just life and all that wonderful stuff. So if you hear this, you've been acknowledged. <laughs> <laughs> and it's important that you acknowledge that because that's also your birthday. That's not why I'm acknowledging it. I'm acknowledging it because I forgot to acknowledge it. I, and everybody on Facebook that listens, I'm sorry. I've been incommunicado for a week or more. So Yeah, but like I said, the reason is because that's also your birthday. So a lot of that focus for this house was on you. Mm-hmm. Yes, I'm aware. And that wasn't me. You didn't do it out of spite or anything no, like that. No, it wasn't that's, malicious that's or anything. Understood. It was just, life sucks. It yes. was my birthday, but it's still, the the world sucks in general. <laughs> but we had fun the night before. Yes, we went to dinner and had fun. Yep, yes, that's the important thing. Yep, yep, yep. I enjoyed it. Did you enjoy it? I did. You got really full. I did. <laughs> very full, very fast. Yes, but then you, you have a smaller have frame. A teeny so. tummy. Yeah. I mean, very teeny tummy. It didn't help that, that, that we're talking like microscopic tummy. Hey, I just sat there and watched you guys eat. It was it, great fun. It didn't help that the kid wanted to have safe sushi the day after because she found out I had sushi. So I ended up eating a double order of edamame myself and a double order of miso soup and got her her uh, California rolls and watched her just hoover them down. I'm like, I'm still cracking my edamame. And you like polished off the entire bead ball. <laughs> Speedball. Yeah. <laughs> what? But you enjoyed it. I did, yes. Yes. Okay. Why are you laughing? No, it's just the way she did that. Oh, the. That's the, why the, I was laughing. I did, I did the. Not that she, what she said, just the way she so, did it. So, so, you old people who watch Star Trek, original, Speedball, you know, the bowing to the cave of Ball. Yes. Or if you're a little more modern, Wayne's World. We're not worthy. We're yes. not worthy. <laughs> yes, that sort of thing. This is why I was laughing. Mm hmm. I couldn't help Now that you've all had that visual. <laughs> um, shall we get on with it? 
Sure. Okay. Tonight we are going to talk about a couple of ghost towns. And Real not just any ghost, ghost towns. towns. Now, 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 ghost towns in general are called ghost towns because why? Because they're empty. They're they're empty. Yep. Yeah, there's nobody living there. But the ones we're going to talk about tonight are allegedly real haunted ghost towns. Have any of you ever been to a real haunted ghost town? So, not a ghost town is an empty, but I have been to um, Virginia City. I want to go. I want to no, go. That's Virginia City. In California. In California, okay. Actually, See, I got to ask because City, Nevada, it's on the like cusp of. Okay, I always heard it called Virginia City, well, Nevada. I have to ask because one of the cities that we're talking about tonight is also Virginia City, but it's located in Montana. Yep, yep. Which is the sister city of Nevada City, Montana, which we'll also be talking about tonight. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> no, but, but, I didn't do it that time. See, I was good. And when I went there, I've been there twice. And one of them was uh, the kids and I stopped at the Red Bucket Inn. Okay. Which is a bar, okay? Like a bucket Shit. of blood. It's a bar thing. called the Red Bucket Inn. Okay. Well, it's called the Red Bucket, I believe. I don't know if it's in or not, but it's definitely Red Bucket. Okay. And I remember the bartender laughing at me because I had walked in and was, you know, looking around with the kids and showing them the video games and all. And I said, excuse me, I walked around somebody. He's like, who the heck are you talking to? Because I walked around somebody that wasn't, wasn't there. there. And Saw that coming, didn't you? Yep. Okay. I could, yeah, I could tell. Um, oh no, I I know she's telling the truth mm-hmm. because I know Tracy and she's not a liar, and we've all had our own experiences. It was it was, it was, was fun. That? I want to go back and play. It's me pointing at the cat and saying, "You better not mess with the cat upstairs." <laughs> That's all. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, Get it? Oh wait, wrong show. Sorry. So, that's another thing I want to point out tonight, folks, before we get started. Uh, I am trying a different recording app tonight. <laughs> Bless you! One! Which ha, had nothing ha, to do with ha. that. <laughs> but, um, if you... Norm, normally when we record, we do this in 30-minute intervals on the Anchor app. Tonight I am using a different voice recorder app that's going to allow us to record allegedly all the way through. So we don't have to take any any intervals of uh, intermissions or anything like that. The problem is uh, some of our pets decide they want to be stupid. They have the stupid. zoomies. They definitely have the zoomies. Yes. So you might hear some screeching and stuff. I'm going to put that out there Too right bad now. We don't have calming treats for the other other fur balls. Yes. <laughs> but anyway, let's 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 just try and get through this tonight, shall we? Should, should I bring over the meowy Joanna? tea mix that the kids picked up for Captain's no. Me? No, we're good. It's it's catnip. Maybe we're good. Yes, please. It's catnip. You make tea with it. It's catnip and lavender. Yes, but these guys, it would just make them stupid. Like, more stupid than they are. <laughs> that's my point. My I point mean, like is, these don't, that stuff doesn't calm them down. That stuff makes them go, zoom! Like someone who's caffeine addicted. Yes. Yeah. Or a uh, squirrel brain like me. Mm-hmm. Yes. Coffee, oh. coffee doesn't make me sleepy. Never really has. I think that might be why I didn't like it when well, I was... Well, that would be the opposite effect. That's what I'm talking yeah. about. I mean, coffee makes me sleepy if I drink too much of it. That's what I meant. Okay. My brain's not functional. <laughs> now that we got that figured it's out... Thursday. Now that we got that figured out, let's try and get through the podcast. If you say so. So tonight we're talking about real haunted ghost towns. We already kind of tried to start this here. <laughs> let's do this again. 
I've uh, researched and come up with four different ghost towns I want to talk about. They are allegedly really haunted ghost towns. Um, I'm going to actually talk about one that's not on this list because we were at Dutch Brothers tonight getting coffee. Brand name drop. Mm. Uh, yes, I totally love Dutch Brothers and we'll give them free advertising. Nom, 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 nom. I mean, yes. But the girl who helped us out, helped us get our coffee, asked what we were doing tonight. I mentioned the podcast and we got on the subject of haunted, haunted places, ghost towns. And then she wanted to relate Nevada City like you did. Awesome. Uh, Nevada City, California. Um, but the story she talked about was she's in a, in a bar with somebody. I think it no, was she her. wasn't in a bar. Her friend showed her the video footage from the bar of a bottle oh, of Jack right. Daniels flying off the top shelf and going across the room on its own and mm -hmm. smashing. Mm -hmm. Or I don't know if she said smashing or not, but you assume smashing yep. when a bottle flies. And uh, no one was there, and it was like video footage after closing, after hours or something. So, yep. but she was talking about it, and that um, <laughs> it was a bar or something in Nevada uh, yep. City. The only difference? Or no, Virginia City. Virginia City. Virginia City, not Nevada Thank City. Thank you. Difference, though? Not a ghost town. No, but it's very haunted. Just a haunted. town full of ghosts. Virginia City is very haunted. Yep. There are tours and stuff. In fact, I found all that out when we were in Jackson. Mm -hmm. It's on, I, I got booklets for it somewhere. Don't ask me where, because I keep losing everything. The, the, the... Yes, the gnome is stalking The gnome is again. stalking me again and hard this time. Every time I look for something, it disappears. Part of my projects are disappearing after I finish parts of it. Um, yeah, it's just very frustrating. Okay, well, the comedy treats are starting to wear off, so let's get into this. <laughs> so, like I said, I, I, I created a small collection of ghost towns here to, to go through. I'm going to start with the first one. Um, I sent you guys some the stuff link. on Garnet, Montana. You saw the yes. links. What did you think of that? I think that we need to set up a road trip at some point and just go cruising through. Got to do just it during sure. the spring and the fall, though, because you have to actually, if you go in the wintertime, you've got to ski in there. Yeah, no. There's no roads. But anyway, uh, let's talk about Garnet. Garnet, Montana, despite being Montana's most intact ghost town, Garnet wasn't originally built to last. Enterprising miners are more interested in extracting the riches of gold below ground than building structures above, which makes sense. I mm -hmm. mean, that's how boom towns were. They had structures that were just there, there for quickness. But um, so as a result, buildings grew quickly, most lacking foundations. They were small and easy to heat. Yet a century after Garnet emerged, remnants of the town. I'm sorry, remnants of the town stand hidden high in the Garnet sorry. Mountain Range east of Missoula. Missoula, Montana. Missoula! Yep. Okay, I read that wrong. I am sorry. Yet a century after Garnet emerged, remnants of the town stand. It's all in the inflection. <laughs> <laughs> hidden high in the Garnet Periods, Mountain Ranges east of Missoula, yes. Count. Garnet was named for the semi-precious ruby-colored stone found in the area, and it was a good place to live. The surrounding mountains were rich in gold-bearing quartz. There was a school, the crime rate was low, and liquor flowed freely in the town's many saloons. The body houses did a brisk business, and Missoula and Deer Lodge were close enough for necessary supplies. In the 1800s, miners migrated north from played-out placer mines in California and Colorado. Placer mining of gold or other minerals is done by washing the sand, gravel, etc. with running water. But in 1870, most area placer mining was no longer profitable. 
The Garnet Mountains attracted miners who collected the gold first by panning, then by using rockers and sluice boxes as the free-floating gold diminished. Although miners had located gold-bearing quartz veins, the lack of decent roads and refined extracting and smelting techniques made further developments unfeasible at the time. Silver mines somewhere started to sorry else thank you. <laughs> Silver mines elsewhere started to draw the miners out of the Garnet Mountains, but in 1893, the repeal of the Sherman Silver Purchase Act set off a panic throughout the region. Silver mines closed, and within weeks, thousands of unemployed miners were on to gold mining in the Garnets. Miners began to trickle back. At the head of First Chance Gulch in 1895, Dr. Armistead Mitchell erected a stamp mill to crush local ore. Around it grew the town, which was originally named Mitchell, but in 1897 became known as Garnet. Soon after Mitchell erected his mill, Sam Ritchie hit a rich vein of ore in his Nancy Hanks mine just west of the town. The boom began. By January 1898, nearly 1,000 people resided in Garnet. There were four stores, four hotels, three livery stables, two barber shops, a union hall, a school with 41 students, a butcher shop, a candy shop, a doctor's office, an essay office, and 13 saloons comprised the town. Notice what's very important there. You're a miner, you want your saloons around. <laughs> Liquor and hookers. Yeah. Well, come on. <laughs> they did talk about the body houses, yes. Yes, liquor and hookers. That's yep. what miners want. They need distractions from be toiling underground forever in a day. You know, that's what they felt they needed. And people were catering to them, is my guess. <laughs> I would say you were absolutely correct. <laughs> Sorry. So eager miners and entrepreneurs built quickly and without planning. A haphazard Nevada community resulted. Most of the buildings stood on existing or future mining claims, and about 20 mines operated. After 1900, many mine owners leased their mines out, the gold having become scarcer and harder to mine. The Nancy Hanks yielded about $300,000 worth of gold, which is approximately $11.5 today. And an estimated 950,000, or 33.5 million, was extracted from all the mines in Garnet by 1917. But by 1905, many of the mines were abandoned and the town's population had shrunk to about 150. A fire in the town's business district in 1912 destroyed many commercial buildings, and most remaining residents moved away, seeking out more abundant defense related jobs. By the 1940s, Garnet was a ghost town. Cabins were abandoned furnishings included, as though residents were merely vacationing. F.A. Davy still ran the store, however, and the hotel stood intact. In 1934, when President Roosevelt raised gold prices from $16 to $32 an ounce, Garnet revived. A new wave of miners moved into abandoned cabins and began reworking the mines and dumps. Then World War II drew the population away again. The use of dynamite for domestic purposes was curtailed, making mining difficult. Garnet again became a ghost town. Once again, F.A. Davy and a few others remained. Several new cabins had been constructed following the war, and in 1948 an auction was held with items from the Davy store. Much remained, however, and souvenir hunters soon stripped the town not only of loose items, but of doors, woodwork, wallpaper, and even the hotel stairway. Take the wallpaper. 
Because it was pretty? I don't know. I get the hotel stairway. You can have no chunks of, of banister or something, but wallpaper! Memory? Well, they are souvenir hunters, so maybe it's just that little piece of garnet they wanted. Uh, now, my question okay. is, stuff that leaves garnet, is it like with the other place we're going to talk to talk about tonight? Mm, that's not really mentioned. The, but Okay. Because I'm just... It, yeah, there's no curse on what's been stolen. Yeah. At least not that I'm aware of. Like, you can't take anything from the beaches in Hawaii. Yep. You can't. You do. You're in massively mm-hmm. stupid trouble. <laughs> now, now, they did all this, but they still had to c- contend with Garnet's last living resident. Last person who remained was a woman known as Marion Dahl. She was the widowed owner of what used to be the saloon. She'd been a waitress <laughs> to the old town's prosperity. I'm sorry, she'd been a witness to the old town's prosperity. <laughs> she was the owner of the saloon. She's not the waitress. Well, you never know. She might have done it. Yep. But she was the witness to the old town's prosperity and its countryside lavishness. Sadly, she'd also been a witness to its demise. Marianne was like a living relic, and she had a lot of stories to tell to every passerby or visitor who set foot in the town. Marianne stayed on another few decades, reportedly taking pot shots at vandals and looters from her porch. Good for her. Yep. Now, my question is, when did she stop being in the town? Does it say? doesn't say See, these specifically. These are things you should... Yeah. Yeah. But, I, I, when Marion died, though, Garnet was left wholly deserted. The limitations of dynamite mining during World War II really took a toll on the town's economy. So I'm assuming it was around that time. Because uh, she stayed on a few decades after that, so probably around the 60s was when she passed. Okay. That's just a guess on my part. But anyway, uh, the dynamiting limitations took a toll on the town's economy, and it became an absolute ghost town after that. The future of this historic town now depends on the work of volunteers and and contributors from the public. Now, here's where it gets interesting. The U.S. government has been trying to convince people to move to the abandoned town of Garnet, Montana for years, yet nobody seems to want to take them up on the offer. Now, why do you think that is? No internet. No Nothing roads. to do. <laughs> You'd be trapped there in the winter time, and sweltering in the summer. No air conditioning. No no heat in the mm. winter. I'm assuming, and nothing to do but twiddle your thumbs. And I get the feeling you'd hate Garnet. I would. <laughs> I have to, if they put in like a cell tower or something, I'd be okay. If they, I do it. Supplied food. Yeah. And a, a cell phone tree or two around. And a decent place to live. And brought in like trailers or something. If there's no running electricity type that you know water is, they bring me fuel for the 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 generator. Mm -hmm. Uh, Not a problem. I just need heat and fire and food. Now there is no running water. This is true. You have to go to a well to get your water. Um, I mean, this is a great place to live as far as the view goes. Nice bucolic view, all that good stuff. But you're right. No internet. Yeah. Well, the internet they have internet, but it's spotty. Yeah. How do you get a cell tower on the mountain, you know? Bring me a cell phone tree yep. or two. Yep, exactly. Yeah, yeah. like I said, that's what I could like. do it, theoretically. I mean, I'm a homebody. All I want to do is be home these you days. I don't even get on books. Facebook, but I have to have internet because I, I do my books. I do my everything online. I yep. could bring the bookshelf of doom. Okay, the bookshelves of doom. You guys would not survive a zombie apocalypse. No. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> If they air flight in, you know, food somebody would have to teach basis. me how to use a gun without hurting myself. I'm okay. I would like to learn how to use a gun. I know yeah. I sound weird. 
So like no you said, yet? though, no. some of the first that probably come to mind are slow internet connection, lack of entertainment offer, <laughs> most importantly, a less lively economy. So how is one even supposed to make a living in an abandoned town? Well, here's the thing. The U.S. government provides a solution to that problem for whoever's willing to move there. Pay them to move in. Yeah, but once you're there, you're stuck, and you've been paid to move in, and money's gone, food's gone, what the heck are you supposed to do? The government grants free room and board, as well as a stipend for meals to whoever moves to Garnet. So where are you going to get these meals? <laughs> See, the stipend for meals, Where? how far is it from anywhere else? See, I've got legit questions. You have good questions. Yes. Unfortunately, I don't have answers to those questions. Research. But We're going to have a, an addendum for this episode. I already know it, because <laughs> I'm going to make them do it. Okay. <laughs> So, if you decide to start a new life in the town, you'll not want for anything, according to the government. Uh-huh. That's right. Uncle Sam is literally paying people to live in the abandoned town. But there is one condition. Whoever moves to Garnet and gets the benefits from the government must sometimes work at the local souvenir shop or give guided tours to the visitors. Who cares? Okay. That's easy. Yeah. Pretty easy, right? Yeah. I'm sick most of the time, and I could still probably manage that like two, three times a week. Well, it sounds like a good deal, of course. However, there's more, yeah, there more to this town than what meets the eye. And I'm not talking about all those other things. <laughs> the government's been trying to repopulate it, the place. Uh, its closeness to beautiful natural sites and its unusually well-preserved antique houses mm -hmm. make it a town worth keeping on the map. But nobody seems eager to live there. Why? There's a it's reason haunted. for this. Sorry, did I say Sure, that jump one? to the end of the story. <laughs> you do this every time. Jump right to the end of the story. Yes, it's haunted. There's a bunch of legends from the day of the gold mining going around the surrounding towns. Oh, I ruined all his fun. Some of them, I'm not done yet. <laughs> some of them are deemed as mere inventions, but some of the other ones are usually told and listened to with an uneasy, dreary air. Like it's a serious matter that shouldn't be taken lightly. And one among them in particular is the one that keeps people from moving to Garnet. Many people believe Garnet is a ghost town in the most literal sense of the expression. Dun, yes, dun. it's haunted. They believe that the souls of the people who used to live in the town, particularly those who died in the mines, are still wandering around its houses. This might come across as just gossip to anyone who hears about it for the first time, but almost everyone who visits the town comes back with the same strange, disturbing experiences. Mm -hmm. Something there. Now, I don't know about you guys, but for me, the ghosts are not the drawback. No. No, the other things are the drawback yes. for yeah. me. Yeah. <laughs> Ghosts don't bother. For the most part, I haven't run into too many nasty things, but I've learned to protect myself going into certain places anyway. Yeah. But it's more of a, they're there, they just want to exist. We'll see, if I were in Garnet, the ghost stories and all that, that's fuel for the fire for this podcast. Well, not just the podcast. But how are you going to set out the podcast when you don't have internet? Exactly. Bingo. Oh, well. So we'll go visit Garnet, but we won't live there. Heck, I wouldn't mind going. Which is to too bad because if somebody wanted to pay for my room and board, I'd Dude, gladly. My do only, it. yeah, the only thing I'm afraid of is the weather. I don't do real cold anymore. I don't do real hot anymore either. Who am I kidding? I gotta have temperate temperatures. Dude, I, I would like it as long as you know. They say food stipend. That's nice. There's nothing nearby, and there's no. Are you supposed to get, to get food? Yeah. <laughs> you whirly bird in. You you bring my my dream helicopter over. You bring the Chinook in. You drop off fire with this pre-chop because my shoulders won't do that anymore. You bring in food and fuel for the Jennies and water tanker, you know, bring a tanker. Of, I'll stay. Yeah, sure, you betcha. Run the gift shop. 
opportunity. I'll be there five days a week. I try it for a year. Yeah. I think, just to see how it would go. Mm-hmm. But I'm pretty sure it also turned into a frozen kid sickle the first time that the first snowflake hits the ground. Yes. I don't, I, like I said, I... <laughs> yeah, because it does get pretty bad. I mean... Me who used to play with the snow no, naked as a child. There's no roads. There's no <laughs> yeah, roads in the garnet. If you want to go, you've got to park in the, in the city, in the nearest city, basically, and walk to garnet. Or, or in the wintertime, or in the wintertime, you have to either snowmobile or <laughs> ski. I don't There's no other ways to get there. I'm just, scared of just skis. looking up the weather. Snowshoeing could be cool. <clears throat> Maybe we snowshoe. What's the current weather? The current weather currently, and the time is now 7:46 Pacific Standard Time. Mm-hmm. It's only 16 degrees Fahrenheit. Oh, they've Garnet, got, they've got snow. They've got to have. But snow. wait, there's more. It'll be a high or a low of six degrees tonight. Tomorrow will be the warmest it's going to be till next Thursday. At 33 degrees, with a low of 11 degrees. Positively balmy. With snow falling on Monday and Tuesday, 31 degrees high and 13 degrees low. Oh, or even better, 24 degrees high and 7 degrees low. Yeah, no. But just wait till Wednesday when the cloud break, when the clouds cover breaks and, and you have the beginning of sun again. And it's a high of 25 and a low of 5. And that's your garnet forecast. Back to you. <laughs> I, I love you all. Oh, cold already, and the heat's just, on. Just thinking about it, yeah. <laughs> of course, I lived in Alaska. I'm all right. No, no. no. I, I'm lying. I didn't really care for it either. But I was I was a kid then. It was more fun. Alaska. Yeah. I'd like to visit, but not during the winter. <laughs> Alaska or Garnet? Ala- either. Either or. Yes. But mostly, yeah. Yes. They're right around the same. Uh, same hemispherical equatorial distance, whatever you want to call it. Uh-huh. Anyway, locals and visitors have claimed to hear eerie noises at night. Let's get back to this, yeah. Yes. Voices coming from the old saloon, laughter and even cries, just like there was still a party going on in the saloon. Others say they've seen ghostly figures of people wearing period clothes, wandering about at night. Even Bureau of Land Management historian Alan Matthews has had a disturbing experience in Garnet. Excuse me. Alan wasn't usually one to believe old telltale ghost stories. When the incident happened, his presence in Garnet was just a matter of scientific, factual research. Something happened to him that made him think twice about the truthfulness of those old stories. He would never be the same after having an eerie experience in Montana's ghost town. One evening, as the sun was setting, he saw what seemed to be a figure of an old lady staring at him through one of the windows of the old hotel. The longer he kept looking back at her, the longer the figure would stay there. He entered the hotel and looked around to see if there was someone there, but naturally it was empty. Alan left the premises completely creeped out by the experience. Yep. I I would be too. Yep. Yeah, but was he saying that it was medicine or just there? Sounds like it was just there. There. See, I don't know. Old lady staring at him through the window. If I saw that, I'd probably wave. Yeah, she's looking be friendly. At yeah. Yeah. Better to be friendly than not. Mm-hmm. So anyway, according to Montana, a resident and writer for its historical society, Ellen Baumler, uh, there have been many reports of spooky incidents over the years, with so many people recounting the same eerie tales. It's enough to make even the biggest skeptic wonder if there may be some truth to these ghostly stories. Here's some more famous stories that pop up. 
Many modern-day lodgers in Garnet have reported hearing the sound of a piano, a piano music playing. The music is reputed to carry a slow and mournful, mournful tune. Uh, I'm trying to talk, sorry. A uh, mournful tune that wafts through the empty buildings. The mere thought of such an occurrence is enough to send a tingle through anyone's spine. As if this isn't enough, the stories of the strange piano music contain an even more disturbing detail. Hmm. During the day, the town is usually as quiet as a deserted town could be, except to be and is usually just a lonely place. My inflection sucked tonight. I am sorry. During the day, the town is usually as quiet as a deserted town could be expected to be. That's better. And usually just a lonely place. However, a common thread among the ghost stories is that the strange disturbances mostly seem to occur when darkness falls. In fact, people who have reported hearing the piano music all agree on one thing. It usually only starts playing around midnight. It should be stated that most of these stories have never been conclusively proven. So who's around at midnight to hear these things? People who have been flown out there. To there are residents that do live there. There are people that live yeah. there. Oh, okay. And there are tourists who visit. They'll, tourists who visit, but who's going to be there at midnight? The tourists who come to stay. They do stay there. Okay, so I didn't know you could stay there and yeah. darn it. Hey, it's a legit question. I'm sorry. I wasn't sure. But I was like, who's hearing music at 12 at night? You know, when the town rolls up its sidewalk at dusk, probably. Yep. So <laughs> anyway, as I said, it could be stated that most of these stories have never been conclusively proven. This doesn't make them any less unnerving to hear. And just as night seems to bring out the worst in the spooky town, it appears that even the time of year has a role to play in the mystique also. Mm-hmm. Historically, most of the reported incidents seem to be less frequent during the summer months. Really? Yeah. During winter, on the other hand, the stories usually take a more ominous turn. Captive audiences. I'm starting to, I'm kind of thinking that's what it is, too. Sorry. I just, in the summer, the weather is good, people are Wintertime is cold, you're kind of Kind of huddled in a building. And you might hear things. I'm a little too talkative tonight. Sorry, guys. We like it, so there. We don't get enough of that. Why? What are you because talking you don't about? talk. You like to hide. What do you say mostly when I try to get something out Meh. of you? Mm-hmm. Man, or I'm just listening. I'm listening. I'm paying attention. Now you're, now you're talking. I love it. <laughs> I love yeah, it. You seem a little bit irritated with me because nope, I keep talking. I like it. No, no. I like yeah. it fine. I just got to get my word in edgewise. <laughs> That's hard with me. Yes, I, I would. I talk a lot. <laughs> so, yeah. So, obviously, during the dead of winter, it gets creepier. People are kind of stuck so they they probably encounter more things um so during the dead of winter most stories of the piano music are accompanied by tales of unearthly sounds and ghastly visions the old saloon appears to be most haunted during these months the kind of things that visitors report seeing during these months are almost too terrifying to contemplate so that (coughs) is menacing the haunted saloon as far as the stories go become most active in winter during these months, visitors have reported seeing ghostly visions of people dancing and figures leaving footsteps and strange long gouge marks in the snow. Like somebody dragging a body? Well, yeah. I've, I've <laughs> actually, well, no, no. What it looks like What it looks like to me, I've seen the pictures. Uh-huh. Um, the picture has, it's a, it's a downward-facing view from the rooftop of one of the buildings. Uh-huh. You can see footprints in the snow, and next to them you see these gouge marks. They kind of crisscross and, and move across the ground. Looks like it might be ski tracks or something snow like shoes, that. Snowshoes, maybe? Snowshoes, ski tracks, something like that. They're yeah. just long gouge marks in the snow. Weird. Mm-hmm. But that's not menacing. People are just... It is if there's nobody around. But my point 
No, it's not necessarily menacing. I mean a foreboding feeling when you when you feel an an entity or an energy. So, you know, is I don't know what makes them think it's. Did you see what I'm talking well, about? Probably, well, probably this part because we're still are the reports of human shaped figures reflecting in and out of the shadows, and the sound of laughter that's reported to drift around in the wind. But is it menacing? See, this is my question. If is it just something that the people aren't? I would say if there's, if there's nobody around and you're seeing things and you're hearing things. But you know things. the place is haunted. So my point is, never mind. You go to a place like this, you know, it's haunted, you know it's haunted, and you freak out about stuff that you're seeing and hearing. Oh my goodness, oh no, I'm seeing what I came here to see. It's scary. Well, gee, Minnie, you came there to see it. Well, would you Sorry. freak out if you saw something like that, though? I didn't the first time I saw something like that. Not that, but something what, or, unexplainable. Or strange things that you couldn't account for? I hear strange things all the time. See strange okay. things in the house. To be fair, yes, you live in a haunted house. I have lived in a haunted house most of my life in different places. Of course, the last strange thing you heard was probably me passing gas, but that's another story. That's not what I'm talking about. Yeah. I, I saw my grandmother for a very long time. Not in this house. In my house that I grew up in. You're not listening to me, apparently. <laughs> my point is, I, they just look like, when I see them, they've always looked like real people to me. That's like Tracy. She walked around somebody in a bar. I mean, but my point is, if you're going someplace to see something like this, oh no, I'm scared. Well, don't go. If 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 it's menacing, then say why it's menacing. Say it's a foreboding feeling or whatever, or you know what I mean. But or laughter. Is it a menacing laughter? Is it <laughs> you know, or is it because <laughs> I'm laughing because a guy said something funny to me? I mean, just. Never mind. You do, you do realize this is just alliteration, right? I am aware of that. My point is they, they're saying it's this, and I want to know why. It doesn't sound like it's that we'll because of what they're saying. Visit. Yes. It's the only way you're going to know for sure. We're never getting to Wyoming or wherever, the, Montana. Montana. We're never getting to Montana. We, we don't travel, have no money. I mean, come on now. <laughs> I, would try, I would. I would go visit in a heartbeat. If we had the money, I'd go visit in a heartbeat. I still want to go see Virginia City, Nevada. So, I mean, we should go take a trip this summer. Oh, wait, no, we can't. Again, no money. So, while these kind of stories are enough to ward off most people thinking of spending time in Garnet, <laughs> there are some people who love them enough to keep coming back. In fact, there have reportedly been a few loyal volunteers oh. who come back every year for decades now. It seems that... It seems that despite all the reasons not to visit Garnet, the town's intrigue among visitors has never completely disappeared. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Between the saloon and the tales of winter wanderings, Garnet's darker side has always proven to be as intriguing to some as it is frightening to others. The haunted saloon aside, just as recounted by Alan Matthews, the town's old hotel is believed to be haunted by the ghost of a woman. All sightings of her relay that she is usually to be found at one of the windows, gazing out at the town below, which we just talked about. Stories of ghostly apparitions and haunted dwellings are nothing new. While government websites and official information about Garnet make no mention of it being haunted, stories continue to flourish. While most people believe that these tales are all just a bunch of nonsense, many people still swear by them. Sorry, I'm opinionated. <laughs> That's 
fine. That's what we. That's why we do this. And we <laughs> actually got to talk to you. Yeah, I think about all this stuff. We were yeah, talking. We got to get you more of this cucumber drink. I think that's what's causing <laughs> you. Oh, my stomach's bothering me. That's what the cucumber drink is for. The cucumber. Okay. It's okay. actually really good. And I didn't think it would be. Well, <laughs> that's enough about Garnet. I'm going to stop talking for a minute here and let one of you guys take over. <laughs> Tracy, you wanted to talk about Bodie, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, okay, I'll read well, Bodie California. You talk about Bodie, California. Here. Are they ever going to uh, get back to us, I wonder? Probably not. I actually did try to contact the uh, the rangers at Bodie to see if I could get one of them to come on the air and talk to us. Or even not, maybe they could talk to you off the air. Well, all they did was refer me to a, to another phone number, which I called and got a busy signal the whole time. So. <laughs> Probably a fact, dedicated fax number, and they're just jerking you around. I don't know. Just a guess. <sighs> okay, so anyway, <laughs> this story you're about to—I I want to say the story you're about to talk about—is actually cited by one of our favorite people, Kathy Alexander from mm-hmm. Legends of America, who we got all the resources from Route 66 on. Yep, yep, yep. And this is newly updated as of just last month. Yep. So all this is new information. Woohoo! Woohoo! Anywho. Uh, Bodie, California. Stop laughing at me. Bodie, <laughs> starting. Laughing. <laughs> Already starting. She hasn't even got it out. I didn't do anything. And <laughs> not her. I was laughing at. Oh, so it was me you were laughing at. <laughs> no. <laughs> <clears throat> it's a genuine gold mining ghost town located the east of the Sierra Nevada mountain range in Mono County, California. It's not when, too far away from us, actually. Nope. Um, when mining began to decline... Along the western slope of the Sierra Nevada, prospectors began to cross the eastern slope in search of their fortunes. One such man was named William, a.k.a. Waterman, uh, S. Bodie, dis- uh, discovered gold near a place that is now called Bodie Bluff in 1859. Alas, the poor man died in a snowstorm that very winter and never saw the new town that would be named after him. Uh, the one legend... <laughs> now... I didn't do anything. No, I scrolled down and jumped because oh, I was gonna know, say I didn't do anything this time. Be nice. Um, the one legend attributes the change of spelling to an illiterate sign painter. The citizens deliberately changed the spelling in order to ensure the correct pronunciation. In 1861, the Bunker Hill Mine was established, as well as a mill uh, through the camp. Sorry, though the camp was called home only to 20 miners. Bodie slowly grew and remained an, in, an insignificant mining camp for 17 years. The Bunker Hill Mine and Mill on the west slope of Bodie Bluff changed hands several times during the years before being sold to four partners in 1877. The name was changed to the Standard Mining Company, and within months the partner discovered, partners discovered a significant vein of rich gold ore. Profits rose dramatically, and by the end of 1878, Bodie's population soared to some 5,000 people. The standard mine would yield nearly $15 million of gold over the next 25 years. During the winter of 1878 to 79, Bodie's citizens saw many hardships. Don't laugh at me. I know I'm tripping over my tongue. I'm not laughing at you. I'm relating to you. This is what we you. do. Have you met me? <laughs> When I speak, you get a pass on that. You know yeah, that. Yeah, <laughs> I trip over my own tongue on a regular basis, more than both of you. So I don't want to hear it. I'm not laughing at you. I'm just looking at you because I'm paying attention to what you're saying. So there, and you wipe that smirk off your face. <laughs> I just love hearing you talk. Stop. Anywho. You'll get a bottle up your nose. I'll take your bottle. Bodie's <laughs> saw many hardships, particularly the savage. Sorry, particularly savage winter that claimed hundreds of lives from exposure and disease. 
falling timber in the mines, and the explosion of a powder magazine that took several additional lives. Miners, gamblers, and, and businesses continued to flood the area. By 1879, Bodie boasted a population of about 10,000 and 2,000 buildings. Before long, the town's forest and 30 gold mines, 65 saloons, numerous brothels, gambling halls, opium dens, as well as a number of illegitimate businesses, including three newspapers, several churches, a couple of banks, and a school. Every other building in the mile-long street was a saloon. Three breweries worked day and night, while whiskey was brought to town in 100-gallon barrels. Dang. Like many booming camps, Bodie soon earned the reputation for violence and lawlessness. Killings were sometimes daily events, and robberies, stage holdups, and street fights were common occurrence in the camp. In its day, Bodie was more widely known for its lawlessness than its riches. A Bodie, the Reverend F.M. Warrington would describe in 1881 as a sea of sin lashed by the tempest of lust and passion. Amen. Amen. Given Bodie's reputation, it's perhaps not surprising, surprising that one little girl whose family was moving to the mining town reportedly pr- prayed, Goodbye God, we're going to Bodie. <laughs> <laughs> Bodie needed milled wood for construction, mine ship shafts, and heating. Wait, wait. Mine shift shafts. That's mine shift. A uh, mine shaft. Be- yeah, shift. Not what you were thinking. It's not what it sounded like. Sorry, Tracy. <laughs> it's okay. It actually says mine shaft beams. It's mine shift shafts. Mine shaft shift. Yeah. I'm, you, you better stop there, right? Yeah. Mine shaft beams, and we'll leave I it. I think in. I need to have some more coffee. Um, well. However, there were a few trees in the area. Soon, several businessmen formed the Bodie and Benton Railroad in 1881 for the sole purpose of transporting lumber. Because of the heating. Because of the heating. Yep. Like other railroads in the West, the Bodie and Benton Railroad hired inexpensive Chinese labor, much to the outrage of local unemployed miners. By 1882, the 32-mile-long railroad was in service between Bodie and Mono Hills along the east shore of Mono Lake. Though metal rails have long since been sold to scrap, you can still see the old railroad grade not far from the remote eastern shores of Mono Lake. Many immigrants and ex-miners homesteaded around Mono Lake, hoping to make a simple living off the land. Early Mono Basin ranchers often had plentiful food and stock and provided supplies to local mining towns of uh, Bodai and Lundry. The boom was over just four short years later, and by 1882, Bodie started to decline. Its population had dropped down to just 3,000, and several, as several smaller mining com- companies went bankrupt and people began to leave the area in search of better opportunities. Prior to 1882, there were no churches in Bodie. However, there were two preachers, Reverend Hinkle, a Methodist, and Father Casson, a Catholic. Services were held in private homes and later in the IOOF, Independent Order of Oddfellows Building, in Miners Union Hall. Despite the, co- the decline of the mines, both Methodist Church and the Catholic Church were built in 1882. Catholic Church did not survive the later fires of Bodie, but the Methodist Church still stands. The two major mines, Bodie and, and the Stetland, sorry, Standard, merged in 1887 and continued to operate successfully the next two decades. While the boom lasted, some 30 companies produced $400,000 of ore per month for an overall estimate of 90 to 100 million. I wonder if that was in then dollars or now dollars. Good question. That information we do not have. That is not included in this. Nope. Sorry, people. The processing of commercial information is complete. Back to the show. In 1892, a fire ravaged much of the business district, further depleting Bodie's population. Additional mines began to close. 
However, the very next year, Bodie became the first mining camp to use electricity. Another fire destroyed the mill in 1889, but it was rebuilt the following year. By 1915, you mean 1898, most, sorry. Sorry, 1888. Yeah. 1898. I'm, yeah. You went backwards in time there. Whoosh. 92 to 89. By 1915, most of the popular, sorry, most of the important mines were controlled by James Stuart Kane, who had arrived in Bodie when he was just 25 years old. Soon after his arrival, he entered lumber business, transporting lumber on barges across Mono Lake. He would grow so successful, he eventually would own Bodie, Bodie Bank, leased the Mono Lake Railway and company, company, Lumber Company, formerly known as Bodie and Benton Railroad, and became the town's principal par- property owner and the owner of the Standard Mill. However, the Standard Mill was closed around 1916, and a year later, the Bodie and Benton Railroad was, was abandoned. In 1932, another devastating fire caused by a two-and-a-half-year-old boy playing with matches destroyed 95% of Bodie's buildings. Mrs. O'Leary's cow. Only I was say, take that, Mrs. O'Leary's did. cow. Um, <laughs> the Bodie was already dying. Further decline resulted in, the, in from prohibition and the Great Depression. While some mining continued, there were now no new strikes, and companies eked out only minor profits largely by using cyanide process to extract gold from old tailings. However, a few people continued to live in Bodie until after World War II, when the last producing mine, the Lucky Boy, was shut down. By then, only six people were left in the settlement. Five of those would soon die untimely deaths. First, one of the men shot his wife, and after... First, one of the men shot his wife, and after she died, three men killed the murdering husband. According to legend, the ghost of the murdered man would still visit the three men, shaking their fists, shaking his fists. Right. Soon, all three would die of strange diseases. By the end of the 1940s, Bodie was a ghost town and was visited only by tourists interested in the history. In 1962, after years of neglect, Bodie became a state historic park, and two years later, a ghost town of Bodie was dedicated to the California historic site. It has also been designated a national historic, but that's but. Ghost Town of Bodie was dedicated as a California historic site. It has also been decide- designated a national historic site. That that makes redundancy, but okay. Um, See, I get those too. And they always well, it's it's a state historic site. And is it federal too? And it's also a national historic national site. historic, maybe. I think that's the point you're trying okay, to get across. Okay, that's where so. I'm missing. Yeah. Okay. okay. I love being me. Both local and and yeah. And state and nationwide. Thank you for having the brain cell that has gone wandering out of my head. <laughs> I caught it. <laughs> <laughs> Legends about Bodie abound, including the Bodie curse. Supposedly, if a visitor takes anything from the old ghost town, even a pebble, they'll be cursed with bad luck, misfortune, and tragedy. Keep upon the victim until the stolen item is returned. According to park rangers, many who have taken things eventually returning them to the, the park to rid themselves of the curse. Purportedly, the park maintains a logbook of pages and pages of returned items. In the museum, you can see these letters of people who have returned items to the park. The curse is supposedly perpetuated by the ghosts of, of Bodhi to guard against thieves and, and protect his treasures. Some believe that the curse is nothing more than superstition perpetuated by the park rangers to preserve Bodhi's historic site. However, I for one wouldn't take the chance of being haunted that long by the souls of Bodhi. Neither would I. I know a story, actually. Oh, you talk These about people it. take People go to Bodie and they steal all sorts of things <laughs> that eventually get returned. One thing in particular caught my attention because what they stole was a grand piano. piano. Yeah, this is the one. Stole we a grand about. piano, and the curse affected them. They they sent it back to Bodie with a letter 
apologizing for stealing the piano. <laughs> and asking them to tell the ghosts of Bodhi to lift the curse. Which apparently did happen. <laughs> yeah, that's the one that I was talking I was hinting at earlier. Yeah. Like, like I said, you take it's not a good idea to take anything from a state historic site to any any historic site because you well, never know what's illegal. gonna come home with you. It actually is also illegal to I know. take anything. And people do it. Oh, yeah. And they're Happens stupid the enough to do it and get and have repercussions. Mm -hmm. I I mean I would feel bad if I ended up with a rock in my shoe on accident. You know what I mean? Because yep. that's just not me. <clears throat> okay. But anyway. I want to know how, why you thought it would be smart to steal a grand piano. Grand piano. Because we wants it. We My brain just doesn't it. quite comprehend. Does yeah, not I don't get, yeah, I don't get that either, but that's just me. Okay. Other ghostly legends have seemingly occurred in this ghost town that is said to be truly of a ghost town. Remaining home to several restless spirits, the J.S. Kane House in the corner of Green and Park Streets is said to be haunted by the ghost of a Chinese maid. Families of park rangers who have occupied the house describe the spirit as not liking adults but loves children. Adults sleeping in the house have said they will awaken in the night to find heavy-set Chinese women sitting on them. Feeling suffocated, one woman fought so hard that she ended up on the floor. Others have reported seeing the bedroom door open and closing its own. The Greg, huh? I was just going to say, some of that sounds a lot like old hag syndrome. Yeah, she might be ticked off that you're sitting in the master's bedroom and the master wasn't very, if the master wasn't very mm -hmm. nice of a master, mm -hmm. she's repeating to that, yeah. But yeah, that actually made me think of something, and I'm sorry to detract from this, Never. but someone has the old hag syndrome what they a lot of people will say it's a hallucination because you're still in a dreaming state mm -hmm. yeah you can't move because your body puts yourself in a dreaming state you so can't move the question that comes into my head is why is it always an old hag why is it always somebody trying to suffocate you why isn't they see somebody in their bedroom i mean why can't it be you wake up and you're falling off a cliff or something like that. Why is it always those particular things? I don't know. Yeah. But you see the we point I'm yeah. getting at. Like, maybe it's maybe there's more to it. But anyway, that's yep. for another podcast. Let's yep. let's get back to this. I'm sorry. Uh, no worries. Um, let's see. Uh, others have reported seeing the bedroom door open and closing its own. The Gregory house is also said to be haunted by the ghost of an old woman. Guests and staff have reported seeing her sitting in a rocking chair, knitting a napkin. Other times, a rocking chair has been seen rocking on its own accord. The Mendocini house called home to several friendly ghosts. One thought to be Mrs. Mendocini, who loved to cook her Italian food. Rangers report today that they often smell delicious aroma of her cooking as they enter the house. Others reported party-like sounds coming from the next room and children's laughter. And, and the next room and the children's laughter you, of children. You got it there. Okay. <laughs> and then children's laughter. Okay. Sorry, I'm tripping over my own tongue. It's great. At the Dochambeau house, visitors have seen a woman peering from upstairs window. You said that a lot better than I was. I had to stop and think about it really hard. Dochambeau? Dochambeau, sorry. Um, at the Bodhi Cemetery, there is the Angela Bodhi, a three-year-old child that was said to have accidentally been killed when she was hit in the head by a miner's uh, pick. Her grave is mounted with a white marble angel, and on one occasion, a man visiting the cemetery with his little girl noticed that she was sitting she was giggling and seeming to play with an unseen entity. 
Today, Bodhi is one of the largest and best preserved ghost towns in the West. Over 200 buildings are maintained by the state in what's termed an arrested decay. Many original items are displayed in these old buildings. When people moved out after the fire of 1932, they pecked what they could get in their wagon or truck, and the rest was just left behind. Only about 10% of the original buildings still stand. However, what is left looks much the same as it did over 50 years ago, when the last residents left. There were no permanent residents in the town except park employees. In its original ghost town, there were no tourist traps, restaurants, or recreated, or sorry, recreated saloons. The only business is in, as the Bodhi Museum, which is free to the public and offers books, postcards, and other souvenirs. You can see the standard mine and mill amongst, sorry, along the west slope of, of Bodhi Bluff. Most of the inner workings are still intact, similar to the public can see during guided mill tour during the summer months. The Bodhi State Park is open year-round, weather permitting. At an elevation of almost 9,000 feet, some connecting roads may be closed in the winter. The Bodhi Museum, located at, Miners, at Old Miners Union Hall building, is open from May through October. Near the Nevada border, Bodhi is 50 miles south of Lake Tahoe, California, 7 miles south of Bridgeport on Highway 395. Turning onto Highway 270, Bodhi is 13 miles left from Highway 13 right. miles east. East, not left. <laughs> Depending on which way you're going. But um, east of Highway 270, it's only open sporadically in winter and not paid for the final three miles to Bode. There are several roads leading out of Bode, but these are better left traveled in four-wheel drive vehicles. Then we have visitors' experiences. This is where we're getting into some of the uh, stolen items, I think, and, mm -hmm. and what happened to their curse. My name is Valerie. I'm located in Long Beach, California, and I visited Bodie in summer of 2001. The town was one of the most memorable landscapes I'd ever laid my eyes upon. Near the center mill was a shack with a really old washer and these feminine items surrounding it. When I peeped through the window, I banged my head on the nail. So at the time, I thought, hmm, how nice it would be to have a souvenir. And I put the nail in my pocket and went on the tour. I looked at your website and noticed your legends section. And, well, I've been cursed. The problem is I really wouldn't mind going the distance to place the nail back, and we're feeling bad about taking it more than a few times, but that was over five years ago, and throughout all my moving around and college transfers, I simply lost the nail. So I was wondering what you could think I could do. Valerie, May 2006. We think maybe Valerie should contact the park rangers with an apology in order to relieve herself of the curse. What do you think? Yeah, I think so. Uh, you bang your head on a nail, and, and you, you think... I think tetanus... I, I think ow. <laughs> I think stupid nail. I think I don't think I don't think, think I don't think I'm going to take it home. I think tetanus, but then yeah, I think mm -hmm. ow I'm, rust. I'm, I'm that person who's read too many books about you know past post apocalypse. You find that one nail, rusty nail, and you watch someone waste away because tetanus. So mm -hmm. yeah, no, no, no. Anywho. Uh, <laughs> The next one is Carissa Gardner of Nevada wrote in August 2013. On August 5th, my family and I visited Bode. We've always wanted to see it. I pleaded with my hubby, who likes old stuff, do not take anything. Just in case Bode curse is real, I didn't want to, have to put myself into that position or allow something like that in my home. We went to Bode. It was wonderful to see, and we had a great time. Spent four hours there, ate lunch, and had fun. When we arrived home, my husband had a purple piece of glass a blue and green, and a few other pieces of glass. I was like, well, why did you do that? I was mad, but just let it go because I'm not that superstitious. 
The next day, August 6th, my back started hurting me very badly. I went to the doctor and said I have a disc slightly out of line and prescribed me a Valium so I would have a good night's sleep so that he can give me an adjustment the next day. I took the Valium that night, I'd never taken Valium before, and was restless and did not sleep. All night, I woke up with pounding headache, my eyes hurt so bad, my back was even worse. I asked my hubby to stay home from work and take me to the hospital where they gave me a shot of Demerol for the pain in my butt and told me I had really bad sinus infection. After the ER, I went to my doctor for the back adjustment and told him about the Valium. He told me that 1 in 2,000 people had the opposite reaction to what Valium is supposed to do, and he'll note that on my chart, no Valium. He decided not to mess with my back because I was in so much pain. I was wearing sunglasses inside because my eyes hurt so bad. And the rest of the day, August 6th, 7th, 8th, and 9th, I was sick, stuck in bed sick and sore. On August 10th, we went to the Reno Aces game in Reno, Nevada with our kids and stayed half the game because it was so very hot. We went home early to go swimming. When we got where we were going, our suits were on. Uh, when we got where we were go getting, our suits on. While doing this, my six-year-old son grabbed my oldest son's EpiPen while playing with it and he accidentally shot through his finger right through to the other. So we headed to the hospital again. My son was okay, but the EpiPen had not gone all the way through. If, if, if it had not gone all the way through, he would have lost his finger. So a little good luck there. The next days were okay, just cleaning and preparing for my best friend to come visit and preparing to make a baby shower cake for another friend. Told my husband, see, you should not have taken the glass. I was going to take it back on August 6th, but then got sick. I was going to send it back the, by way on the way to the pool on August 10th, but could not get Pat to the post office. Well, the bad luck didn't didn't end there. On August 14th, my back was still pretty painful. Went about cleaning and getting stuff ready for my friend's visit. Everything was pretty normal. We cleaned, did yard work, and then my daughter stepped <coughs> on a red ant hill. On a red ant. No big deal. We went all their day, and everything, my kids in the back door were playing and climbing a tree when my daughter came running, screaming she hurt her arm. Asked what happened. She said she was climbing a tree and fell. Right then, I knew she had broken her arm, rushed to the ER. Not, they did not think she broke it, just bruised it, but I already knew after she, the, the week that we had it was going. They took x-rays, and I'll come back and says, well, she actually did break it. It's currently sitting for five more weeks with a, with a broken, fractured humerus. That was it for me. <clears throat> the next morning, I got the glass, picked it, picked, up, picked it up in a paper towel, did not want to touch it, stuck in an envelope, then called Bodie, got the address as soon as the post office opened, took it in, and mailed it back. That was August 15th. Things were still creating the 16th. My anxiety was high, and I finished getting stuff ready for my friend. She came, we went out, came home, worked on the baby shower cake, had problems or problem with that cake, and we were up until 3.30 in the morning. I believe it was the last, last residual evidence of the curse. Everything has been fine since. It may have just been a coincidence. My husband thinks so, but we will never know. I told him that was because he took the glass. If he had not taken it, maybe these things would still have happened, but like I said, we'll never know. So we recommend not taking any rocks, glass trinkets, or anything from Bodhi. From this experience, it is not just a good idea, it's a highly recommended. It's still, I still highly recommend going to visit Bodhi because it's great, not scary or anything. We plan on going back. I told my husband he cannot come because I don't trust him. Laugh out loud. We did collect a black and orange feather, a bird feather, not a Bodhi feather, from, the flower, from their flowers growing all around, and they're here in my home. No problems with those, but stuff comes to Bodhi that may have history, leave it there. It was a scary two weeks, but we, and we are miserable. Just leave stuff be and enjoy the sights of Bodhi. Carissa's experience was included in an episode of Meet the Legend, Curse of Bodhi State Park, originally airing on the Weather Channel on November 2nd, 2014. Two weeks of bad luck. 
Yeah, and, and her husband doesn't day believe it. after day. It's her husband's fault. <laughs> I will completely agree with that woman. Don't trust him. She, I wonder why she doesn't trust now, him. Now, maybe it was a coincidence uh, that happened. But two all weeks? Once, just, yeah, two weeks of, bit of straight bad luck. Of course, you know. They do say that your perceptions can influence the environment. Yeah, I mean, if you so. think you're cursed, you are cursed. Yep. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> see, continuing on, Linda Reed writes in November. That's, that's so mean. Linda Reed writes in November 2014, I now believe in the Bodhi curse. Actually, didn't didn't know where the, there was a curse. I just read signs asking people not to take anything from Bodhi. My husband and I found a couple of old-fashioned square nails, broken pieces of colored glass, and some pieces of old dishware. I also took a piece of linoleum from one of the houses that was open to the public. It wasn't long after October 21st visit that the bad luck started. I wrenched my knee just getting up from a sitting position. And he was so swollen, I had to ride an ambulance to emergency. The doctor instructed semi, I'm sorry, 37 cc's of blood. Now I have to undergo, undergo a few tests. A few days ago, I broke a tooth, and then yesterday I broke my entire bridge work. Dennis tells me no one ever breaks the metal base of, of the bridge. I watched the Weather Channel's program about Bode Curse and finally realized what was happening. I've already packed the pieces from Bode and will mail them to, uh, to the Rangers tonight. <laughs> Oh, boy. <clears throat> the last one is Faith Kalari writes in October 2019, Around 12 years ago, my husband and brother-in-law were visiting Bodhi. My husband has been there many times and knew not to take anything. A couple of years later, we were visiting my brother-in-law back in Indiana, and he presented my husband with a small, perfect brown bottle. Perhaps a medicine bottle? My brother-in-law said he had it taken from Bodhi when they visited. Of course, we were not happy about it. We took it back to California, and my husband returned it. The next time we visited Bodhi, was it cursed? Well... Visiting my brother-in-law, he developed a blood disorder, and he passed away a few years later. Goodness. It's a hard curse. That's it. The medicine bottle was kind of like, like <laughs> okay, you get the medicine bottle, we're going to curse you with death. Yep. Pretty much. That's pretty bad. Where'd it go? Where'd what go? The warm fuzzy? Yeah. The warm fuzzy over there. There's the hard You mean the warm fuzzy that's been harassing me the whole time she's been talking? Yes. Yeah. Wait, that one's been bothering you? Yes. Not the other one? Or Siamese. Oh, I was talking about the other one. No. <laughs> Actually, no, she did it. She did too. But It is now your turn, my yes. dear. Okay. <clears throat> Just a second. She's not ready. I'm, I'm not never ready. ready. I'm not worthy. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. not ready. I'm not ready. <laughs> That's all right. We'll just keep talking until you get there. Although, what about? I'm not sure. I don't think you've ever been at a loss for conversational topics. No. Well, like I said... <laughs> well, maybe when you were a teenager. Like I said about the Bodhi curse, you. I don't know. But... Why are you wearing dirty laundry? Anyway. <coughs> I don't know much about the Bodhi curse, except you don't want to take anything from Bodhi, obviously. Yep. Um, is it really cursed? I don't know. But it certainly sounds like it. Does to me. Yep. But then, like I said, you're not supposed to take anything from a national park. This is true. Did you find it yet? She's still digging. Okay. Hey, I was just asking. I love you. Looks. Okay. In your own time. I'm getting such dirty looks. That wasn't a dirty look. That was I'm tired. Okay. Give you a dirty look instead. I don't want that either. Uh huh. <laughs> 
Goldfield, Arizona. Arizona boasts its share of fascinating ghost tales and urban legends, ranging from legendary creatures like El Chupacabra, literally goat sucker, and Mongolian monster. Mongolian. Mongolian monster. Think Bigfoot to the infamous hanging tree at Vulture Mine, the eerie Thornton Road domes in Casa Grande, and the ever-elusive Lost Dutchman's gold mine. However... When it comes to real chills and thrills, nothing surpasses a visit to Goldfield Ghost Town, an abandoned ghost town in the fabled Superstition Mountains in Apache Junction near Mesa, Arizona. Do you believe that all abandoned ghost towns are truly deserted? Thinking in as you explore this little-known hidden gem, which is allegedly riddled with paranormal activity. In fact, Goldfield Ghost Town just may, in fact, be the spookiest summer getaway of all time. As far as quick summer getaways are concerned goldfield offers an easy day trip from mesa and is one of the most popular abandoned ghost towns among visitors to the grand canyon state the creepy history of goldfield ghost town billed as the gateway to the legendary superstition mountains goldfield has been named as one of america's coolest ghost towns by travel and leisure while roadside america calls it a dazzling nugget of desert entertainment (laughs) <laughs> established in 1893 when Goldor was discovered in an area of what was then known as the Arizona Territory. Arizona didn't achieve statehood as the 48th state until 1912. Goldfield quickly became a thriving town of approximately 1,500 residents that featured a bustling general store, post office, three lively saloons, brewery, butcher shop, schoolhouse, and black blacksmith shop. I can talk, really. However... Within just five years, the grade of ore dropped significantly and Goldfield was soon abandoned to the dry sagebrush desert. Not a very rich mine, then. Mm. It's a late bloomer, too. Mm -hmm. It bloomed late and fizzled fast. Here are some interesting facts about Goldfield's early years and its later restoration. Goldfield experienced a brief rebirth in the 1920s as Youngsburg when George Young, 1867 to 1926, former secretary of the Arizona Territory, reopened the mines and utilized state-of-the-art techniques for the time to recover the ore. However, once again, by 1926, the gold was quickly depleted and the town abandoned for a second time. In 1943, approximately 60% of Goldfield was destroyed during a military training exercise that went catastrophically wrong. Okay, yeah, I... (laughs) Entrepreneurs and treasure hunter Bob Schuess. Schuess or Schuess, something like that. S-C-H-O-O-S-E. Purchased the old Goldfield Mill site in er, 1984 with with dreams of restoring the abandoned ghost town for visitors. Uh, Goldfield Ghost Town uh, opened for business as a tourist attraction four years later with the reconstructed mine tunnel as well as a snack bar general store saloon and goldfield museum today shoes serves as the unofficial mayor of goldfield and significantly more attractions have been added to the goldfield ghost town okay other popular arizona ghost towns include tombstone g site of the legendary gunfight at the okay corral in 1881 fairbank brisby jerome i've heard of jerome castle dome landing vulture city i've heard of that one Clifton, Ruby, Belmont, where a scene from the influential 1969 biker flick Easy Rider was filmed. I've heard of that one. And Oatman, among many others. As you wander through the dusty streets of Goldfield Ghost Town, 
Be sure to go into ghost hunting mode since plenty of paranormal activity has been reported here. In fact, Goldfield is reportedly one of the Arizona's most haunted places. Some visitors to the ghost town have allegedly heard mournful voices in the saloon, as well as an occasional apparition floating behind the bar. In addition, a mysterious figure with a cowboy hat has been reported residing in the town's bordello, making unexplainable noises, terrifying visitors in the process. Yeah, well, house of ill repute with noises? Gee. <laughs> <laughs> the team from Travel Channel's Ghost Adventures even spent a night in Goldfield Ghost Town for an episode that aired in 2015 and reported several instances of paranormal activity during their stay. I wonder one of those was demon possession. <laughs> <laughs> the surrounding... Okay, let me breathe. The surrounding aptly named Superstition Mountains are also offered their share of supposed hauntings, evil spirits, and urban legends. The Apache Native American tribe even called the Superstition Mountains the Devil's Playground. Okay, yeah, I really want to visit there. <laughs> I do. This Actually, makes the whole aspect of demon possession sound a little more plausible now. Yes. If you decide to go there, prepare yourself for a spine-chilling adventure at Goldfield Ghost Town, which offers something for all ages. While you're out ghost hunting, don't miss out on the following Goldfield Ghost Town attractions. Apache Trail Tours enjoy a rugged and exhilarating 4x4 off-road desert loop tour of the spooky superstition mountains. I could go for that, actually. Eagle Eye Shooting Gallery. Test your skills at the shooting gallery, which features interactive targets that come to life. That sounds like fun, actually. Gold Panning, also fun, at Prospector's Palace. A true gold historian will show you and your family the proper techniques for panning for gold. We get that in California anyway, mm -hmm. but that mm -hmm. just sound, it still sounds fun. Goldfield Gunfighters. Clear the streets when the gunfighters show up in Goldfield and face some serious resistance from the sheriff and his deputies as they try to steal the Wells Fargo Strongbox. Ah, fun. Sorry. Goldfield Mine Tours. Step back in time and learn about mining techniques from over 100 years ago during the guided Goldfield Mine Tours. Goldfield's Historic Museum. View interesting exhibits ranging from the mysterious Lost Dutchman Gold Mine to the slew of Western movies that were filmed in the area, such as Charo in 1969, which starred at Elvis Presley, Lulu's Bordello at Goldfield. The body ladies of Lulu's Bordello take you on a fun-filled tour of this legendary house of ill repute. Sorry. Maybe you find out why you hear those noises. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Mammoth Steakhouse and Saloon. In addition to serving famous mammoth burgers, Juicy steaks and tasty appetizers. This, this charming eatery features interesting Old West artifacts, including an authentic stagecoach from Tombstone, Arizona. Uh, why wouldn't they that had be? They have me at Steakhouse. But why would that be in Tombstone? Why wouldn't that be in Tombstone? Is what I'm wondering. The Mystery Shack, an old miner shack that defies gravity. The Mystery Shack provides fun for all ages. I wonder if that's like the mystery spot here in Santa Cruz. Could be real similar. Yeah, I'm, I'm betting. Mm -hmm. I probably couldn't go in there. I can't. I have problems in the mystery spot. Uh, messes with my equilibrium. Mm -hmm. Superstition Narrow Gauge Railroad. Hop aboard for a scenic train ride that takes you on a 20-minute narrated journey around the western town. Superstition Reptile Exhibit. Learn all about the reptiles and invertebrates that can they call the vast, unforgiving desert their home. Superstition Zipline. Enjoy a thrilling zipline adventure that offers spectacular views of the surrounding Superstition Mountains. Okay. And finally. Superstitions, bless you. Okay, Corral Stables. Saddle up for a guided horseback 
riding adventure that explores the beautiful superstition gold field mountains. I'd love to do that. Mm-hmm. That just sounds it like, total sounds like a lot the zipline sounds fun, but I'm kind of scared of them because I've the horror stories you hear. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. I have. Yeah. Oh, and folks, if you're listening, just uh, hopefully you're listening. We hope so. Uh, <laughs> but if you're listening to this particular podcast. <laughs> I know we've said ghost hunting several times. This is just the way it was written. Yep. We prefer to use um, other terms like uh, paranormal exploration or... Hunting implies uh, viciousness to the ghosts and spirits. And we don't don't, uh, condone that. Ghost interviewing? We want to meet them. (laughs) Yeah, let's not... uh, Let's not irritate yeah. the spirits and make them mad. So, yeah, don't... <coughs> if, if you feel the same way as us, don't take it the wrong way. It's just the way it's written. Yeah. We didn't write these. We're just we're just reviewing them. Well, everything does have to be PC these days. Yep. Gotta cover your butt. Sorry. True, but, you know, people still use the term ghost hunting. I know, but if you're not getting... Not everybody agrees. Gee, you get possessed every time <laughs> you, get, you start cussing and yelling at a ghost to do something. Gee... Zach, I wonder why. Zach Bilbo Baggins. <sighs> Sorry. <laughs> I have issues with So, that should I do the last one? Yes. yes okay. you do. Excuse me. Sounds <laughs> like I better do it none too soon. Sorry. <clears throat> okay, here we go <clears throat> Nevada City and Virginia City, Montana. You can't talk about the paranormal without mentioning Madison County's very own ghost towns. Virginia and Nevada City are built on the stories of the fortune hunters who lived and died there. And rumor has it, some of those residents never fully left. Mm-hmm. Virginia City is a well-preserved, very much alive ghost town, mm. which is frozen in time. It's located just 20 miles west of Yellowstone National Park. Uh, in May of 1863, six men, Barney Hughes, Thomas Cover, Henry Rogers, William Fairweather, Henry, Edgar, and Bill Sweeney set out towards the Yellowstone River. Their goal was to find enough gold to be able to buy tobacco in the town of Bannock. Unfortunately, they encountered a party of Crow Indians. They were captured. The story goes that William Fairweather put a rattlesnake in his shirt. That impressed their captors, and the men were released on the condition that they returned to Bannock, which they did. On May 26, 1863, Bill Fairweather, excuse me, Bill Fairweather and Henry Edgar discovered gold near Alder Creek. Excuse me, I'm sorry. So they discovered gold near Alder Creek, so named because the banks were lined with alder trees. They discovered the largest surface field of gold in Alder Gulch. No matter how hard they tried to keep their discovery a secret, though, the word got out, and within three weeks, the town of Virginia City was thriving. Some built log cabins, some of which stand to this day. Others built makeshift brush shelters, while others pitched their tents. By the fall of 1863, between 7,000 and 10,000 souls called this place their home. June 16, 1863, a township was formed under the name of Verena, which was intended to honor Verena Howell Davis, the first and only First Lady of the Confederate States of America during the Civil War. However, when they attempted to register the name, a Connecticut judge by the name of G.G. Bissell objected to their choice of name and recorded it as Virginia City. Yes, it quickly became a boomtown of thousands of prospectors and fortune seekers. This remote area of what was then Idaho Territory had no law enforcement except for the miners' court. 
miners' courts. Sorry, there's more than one. Due to the great wealth of this region, the lack of any type of justice system, and the methods of travel, crime began to flourish there. It's estimated that road agents were responsible for up to 100 deaths in the area in 1863 and 1864. Those ro these road agents would ride out from robbers, roost, and terrorize stagecoach miners. Sorry, they terrorize stagecoaches, miners, and travelers in the area and as far as Missoula, 200 miles away. The locals were afraid to do anything about it because the road agents had spies everywhere and would soon find out who was working against them. Henry Plummer was, at the time, the sheriff of both Bannock and Virginia City. Many suspected that he was the leader of the road agents <coughs> being called... Sorry. <coughs> I have a little trouble talking here. Many suspected that he was the leader of the road agents gang called the Innocents. The suspicions about the sheriff and the increasing number of murders in the immediate area prompted the citizens to form the Vigilante Committee. After obtaining confessions from some members of the Innocents, the Vigilante Committee arrested Plummer on January 10, 1864. Plummer was hanged in Bannock without a trial. On December 19, 1863, a miners' court trial took place. The trial was for the murder of Nicholas, a Dutchman. George Ives was convicted, and in less than an hour, he was hanged in the middle of town while nearly 2,000 residents watched. <coughs> On May 26, 1864, President Abraham Lincoln signed into law the Montana Territory. Bannock was the first territorial capital, but on February 7, 1865, the legislature moved the capital to Virginia City, where it remained until April 19, 1875, when it was moved to Helena. It was in Virginia City that the first public school was established. Montana Post, the first newspaper, was established in Virginia City. Among this, the, who have called this their home, among this, those who have called this their home include Calamity Jane, she resided there for a short time, Jack Slade, he was the Pony Express founder and, and gunfighter, he was lynched there. Yay! Sorry. Yeah, what fun. I, I want to think this, the Pony Express um, statue in Allstack is of him too, I think. I think I so, yeah. Remember. Mm -hmm. Then there was John Bozeman, he was a prospector, merchant, founder of Bozeman, Montana, and Bozeman Trail. Nathaniel P. Langford, uh, prospector, vigilante, and first superintendent of Yellowstone National Park. William F. Sanders, founding member of the Vigilance Committee and the U.S. Senator from Montana. Sam V. Stewart, governor and Supreme Court Justice of Montana, who practiced law there. Nelson Story, prospector, merchant, and cattleman, famous for 1866 cattle drive from Texas to Montana and George Lair Shoup, who was the governor of Idaho and moved there after the Civil War. When the gold ran out, there was enough left so the homes and businesses remained occupied. Unfortunately, there was not enough to repair the, and remodel the existing buildings. In the 1940s, Charles and Sue Bovee began buying the town and doing some of the much needed maintenance. In the 1950s, the town began to be restored for tourism. Most of the city is now owned by the state government and is a National Historic Landmark and is operated as an open-air museum. 
There are nearly 300 structures in the town, with almost half of them having been built prior to 1900. Many of the buildings are in their original condition, with old West Period displays and information plaques standing next to modern diners and other amenities. Nevada City was destroyed by dredging operations in the early 1900s, according to Blumenthal. When the mining had come to an end in 1922, about $2.5 worth of gold in today's market had been extracted. So it was Charles and Sue Bovey who also undertook the restoration of Nevada City. Many historic cabins have been moved to the site of the original Nevada City. A visit to Nevada City Museum will give you an idea of what it would have been like to live in the Alder Gulch area during the 1860s. You will find a collection of music machines like an automatic violin player. Nevada City is operated as an outdoor museum. Nevada City is approximately 27 miles southeast of Twin Bridges on Montana Highway 287. The town site is located one and a half miles west of Virginia City. So what's there to do in Virginia City and Nevada City? There's Boot Hill Cemetery in Virginia City, which you can visit. You can take a ride on the narrow Gage Alder Gulch Short Line Railroad, which will take you to Nevada City. You will not want to miss a visit to the Virginia City Opera House and a performance by the Virginia City Players. The Opera House is an old livery stable which has been remodeled into a 19th century era theater. It's home to one of the only remaining Cremona Player pianos, which is used to accompany silent movies. It has been carefully maintained and restored. The theater company performs authentic 19th, 19th century era melodramas in vaudeville variety. You can take a 25 minute ride on the Virginia City Overland Stagecoach, which will take you on a narrated tour up Alder Gulch to where the gold strike was originally discovered. You might want to screen for rubies with the Red Rock Mike and Garnet Gallery in nearby Alder. I think it was supposed to be Red Rock Mine. I didn't write it. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're struggling through the hookups and yep. hiccups and hookups. You're you're following. You're, you're struggling right along with us. Montana Carriage offers a variety of horseback riding opportunities. You can choose a half-hour ride, an hour trip, or if you feel adventurous, you might try the two-hour ride. There are also pony rides for the kids. Uh, the Nevada City Hotel is reported to be frequented. Now we're getting the ghost stuff here. But it's reported to be frequented by the apparition of a road agent who was hanging nearby, according to Haunted Places, an online database of purported hauntings across the country. Visitors are reported hearing footsteps in the hallways and seeing a shadowy figure standing behind the reflection in mirrors. Behind their reflection in mirrors, sorry. Most frequently, the apparition seems to be an older cowboy figure who never speaks, but appears in hotel rooms and even sitting at the bar in Virginia City. Back when the hotel operated, guests also complained of a weeping woman, always in the same room, only to be told there was no guests in the room in question. At one end of Nevada City sits the old Sedman House, one of the many historic buildings that populate the ghost town. Ellen Baumler, interpretive historian for the Montana Historical Society, wrote an account of alleged hauntings that occurred there. She said employees sometimes find the bedding rumpled in the Sedman house, and a tourist once commented that the little girl in Victoria dress was a nice touch. Baumler writes, but there was no little girl. 
at the time. Living his uh, so at the time, Living History productions weren't even done at the Sedman House. That they are now, though. Yeah, after <laughs> that, I think they probably thought it was necessary. <laughs> <laughs> yes, let's hide the ghosts from people visiting. Let's make them think it's somebody in costume. So one more event Bobler recounts in her book is uh, in the book Spirit Tailings, Ghosts, Tales of Virginia, City, Butte, and Helena. It involves a film crew who shot a scene of Henry Ibsen's Enemy of the People in the hotel's bar. On a frigid winter day, the hotel was barely much warmer inside and all the crew was packed into the saloon. Said the guest rooms and corridor upstairs and down were all locked, writes Bobler when suddenly there were footsteps in the room above. Several crew members went up to the room directly above the bar and opened it. It too was dark, cold, no one was inside, Bobler writes. The floor kept creaking slowly and deliberately during the entire time the crew and actors were in the hotel. Outside of its normal tourist season, Nevada City is closed. However, the Montana Heritage Commission offers ghost tours around Halloween time which explore the area and some of its more permanent residents. Yeah, we need to go on a tour there. Mm-hmm. And I'll probably end up on that horse for like two, two and a half hours. And then I will have to be wheeled into the to the car and left to, to, to collect myself for the next you know, three or four weeks. But that's okay. Probably so. <clears throat> yeah, I haven't been horseback riding since I was a little kid. And I didn't want the pony. I wanted like the 17 to 18 hand horses, man. No pony, it mean and it bites. Mm-hmm. I don't want the pony. Those are vicious. <laughs> But that's actually yeah copper can be a little butt the one yeah. we feed yeah he does he does like to bite when you're not paying attention he gets in trouble for it because she deals with children and unicorn parties so mm. it's a thing so the cat that keeps jumping in my lap is telling me that this is probably the end of our podcast so i think oh, we're gonna should. we're gonna end it here hello <laughs> she's back in my lap again <laughs> Is it's it feeding time? time? Yes, it's time to eat. She will take your lap over food any day. Oh, I know. She's very affectionate. And I will talk to you later. Okay. Doom, doom, doom. Yes, I'm in trouble again. It's not new. Anyway, that's going to do it for tonight's podcast. We hope you guys enjoyed listening. Uh, we'll see you in two weeks' time. Until then, stay spooky. And, of course... Cue the gremlin! What in the Podcast is a part of the What in the Podcast network and is available on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and other great podcast formats. You can find us on Facebook at the What in the Podcast Facebook group. If you have a great story idea or have a personal paranormal event that you want to share with us, email us at whatinthepodcast at gmail.com with your story, or you can leave us a voice message by clicking the link in the episode description. If you like what you're hearing, please don't forget to leave us a review and rate us five stars. It doesn't seem like much, but it helps us more than you can imagine. What in the Podcast is also made possible thanks to our sponsors and listeners like you. Thanks for listening. Thank you.